0: Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from Nehemiah 2, from verses 11 to the end. Nehemiah inspects Jerusalem's walls. I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards Jackal, well, and Dungate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gates. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests, nobles, officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambala the Horonites, Sabiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, They mocked and ridiculed me. What is this you're doing? they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We his servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any other claim or historic right to it. This is the word of God. Brenda
1: Well, what an amazing time we've had together already this morning feels like that I have nothing really to add what's already been said but I guess I have to earn my keep so I better bring something. I wonder how many of you have been watching the European Games this week or the Commonwealth Games in the last few weeks. I've been quite grateful that my diary in August has been a little bit quieter because I've been able to catch up on some of the, uh, the sport. You know the BBC um, reported that the Commonwealth Games broke records with over 57 million streams during the games that is a lot of people watching um, the athletics and all the other sports you know and as athletes compete they all seek a medal and the recognition that comes with it. Those who win a gold are held up as heroes. While most of us will uh, have a desire to be recognised, our chances, I guess, of competing at the Commonwealth Games or the Olympic Games or any championship, for that matter, are pretty slim, correct? Have I judged the congregation here at Rayleigh right? Okay. But people like to hear their name mentioned in a positive way. The Bible passage I had chosen for today actually follows the reading that Brenda just gave. And if you look at Nehemiah chapter 3, you will see why I didn't ask Brenda to read it out. Basically... The passage is a list of people who have achieved some pretty major accomplishments, but they also have some very tricky names. At first glance, Nehemiah chapter 3 looks pretty dry. One Bible commentator refers to it as a colourless memorandum of assignments. It simply is a long list of names, that are difficult to pronounce, information that seems redundant, and timelines that seem meaningless. It's hard to muddle through. And while we have skipped reading those 32 verses in Nehemiah 3 out loud, as we think today and reflect on the RBC value of participation... I believe that Nehemiah chapter 3 does contain great insights and principles that can have direct application to our lives today in 2022. So let me briefly set the historical context of Nehemiah. In uh, 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army captured the Jews, Jerusalem was destroyed, the walls were knocked down and the temple was burned. The people were deported and were forced into slavery and Jerusalem was left in ruins. But God did not desert his people. He moved King Cyrus to make a decree to let some of the Jewish people return. And in three stages over a hundred years they were allowed to migrate back to Jerusalem only to discover the city was still demolished and desolate. Let me make two preliminary observations. Firstly, chapter 3 reveals Nehemiah's extraordinary gift of administration and organisation. He was able to mobilise and empower 44 separate groups of people for the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Secondly, this passage shows how people participating and working together can accomplish more than if just one person tried to do all the work. If you scan through Nehemiah 3, you will find the following phrases, next to him, next to them, after him, after them. And these expressions are recorded 28 times in this chapter. The biblical principle is every person is to be involved in ministry because everybody has a job to do. And so in the words of your false value, we value participation because nobody's perfect, but everybody's welcome. And together we build God-centred communities. But I would hazard a guess that sometimes we find it hard to participate and find our place, don't we? Some of you are doing exactly what you need to be doing in life and in God's kingdom work, and that's fantastic. Others of you, I guess, are finding it hard to find your place, your niche. It's been said, I like work, it fascinates me. I can sit and look at it for hours. But when it comes to kingdom work, there is no place for sitting on the sofa, because we are all called to participate. And as we see in Nehemiah 3, the wall workers accomplished an incredible task, and in the process, smashed a world record for teamwork. So what was the purpose of this work? Well, Nehemiah was able to build his community, his team, if you like, around a central rallying point. He pointed them to the purpose of the work being for the glory of God. They weren't just working on walls, they were worshipping God. The workers were disheartened about the conditions of the city and disgraced in the presence of their enemies. But they longed for God's city to regain its splendour and for God to be given the glory. The purpose of all ministry and really of life itself is for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 puts it like this. So whether, whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. If we look at verse 1 of Nehemiah 3, it says, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place. It's no accident that the list starts at the sheep gate. It's another way of saying, put God first. By beginning here, Nehemiah is establishing that their relationship with with God was central. The gate was closest to the temple. And so it was the most important place to start. They had a time of dedication right at the beginning of their building project. So friends, don't make the mistake of focusing so much on the work or the task at hand that you forget God. God wants your heart as you participate together. And in this chapter I see six principles that will help each of us to participate. Firstly, leaders must set an example. We see this in chapter one. If anybody in the city should have been busy with the work, it was the priests, for God's reputation was at stake. The priests would have worn amazing garments, and yet here the chief priest was picking up rubble and laying bricks. He had no hesitation to swing a hammer or push a wheelbarrow, if they had those in those times, I don't know. You know, I take seriously my joyful responsibility to be involved in the work of ministry. And I don't have a problem getting my hands dirty. And it's important that church leaders, elders, trustees are on board with the mission and ministry of the church. Secondly, God uses all kinds of people. Verse 8 in chapter 3 says, Uziel, son of Har... This is why I didn't get you to read it out, Brenda. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. You know, God didn't need a thousand masons and carpenters to rebuild the wall. He needed ordinary people who were just, willing to work. People from a wide variety of different backgrounds, trades and localities gathered to work on the wall. The rulers and the priests worked together with regular people, some who even lived 10 to 15 miles away and travelled in. There was a place for everyone and a job for everyone to do. God has gifted each one of you and each one of you is to be involved in a lifestyle of servanthood to Christ. And as we use our gifts, we will be fruitful, we will be fulfilled, the church will be built and God's kingdom will increase. One of the key words in this chapter is the word section. It's used 13 times. The wall was divided and people were assigned a certain section to work on. And likewise, just as one person couldn't do the whole work by themselves, so too you and I are called to a certain part of kingdom. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Romans 12 verse 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Are you serving in your area of giftedness right now? And if not, perhaps it's time to find out where you can get involved. Thirdly, some people will not work. Having said that there is a place for everyone and a job for everyone to do, there will always be those who refuse to exert themselves. Most people worked, but some people shirked their responsibility. We see this in verse five. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their uh, supervisors. Tekoa was a town about 11 miles outside of Jerusalem, and while some of the people commuted to the job site, the nobles from Tekoa called in sick. Actually. The text says that they refused to participate in the work of God because they didn't want to follow orders. They were too proud to submit themselves to the supervisors of the job. They were too important, they felt, to get their hands dirty. Anyone here today, I don't want you to put up your hand, but anyone here today who refuses to roll up their sleeves and get involved in the life here in Raleigh? Well, if you are you are missing out on one of the greatest privileges of all time. I can't think of anything more rewarding than being involved in kingdom work. You just can't beat it. Fourthly, some do more work. In every church and in every project, there will always be some who don't really participate and at the same time, there will always be those who do more work than others. Those men from Tokoa well in verse 5 we read that they finished their section and then we go down to verse 27 and they pop up, up again. Refusing to follow the bad example of their leaders, these workers went the extra mile. I picture them coming up to Nehemiah and saying that they'd finished their, their section. Nehemiah asks them, well do you want to do a bit more? And they say, bring it on, we're on a roll, we're, we're, we're keen, let's keep on going. A guy called Biniu did the same thing. Another guy called Meshulam completed one part and then he went on to another section. You know, sometimes we can have a tendency within most of us to finish the work that we've volunteered to do. And then we stop, we stretch out our arms and say, you know what, that was great doing the Lord's work but I'm finished. Time to put my feet up. Not with these guys here. In Nehemiah 3, they knew that kingdom work was never finished. When we complete one job for the Lord, we can't just sit back and think that we've fulfilled our ultimate responsibility as a Christian. As long as there is work to do in God's kingdom, there's work for you and I to do. So get involved. Fifthly, some worked with passion. In the entire chapter, there is only one man mentioned who worked zealously. Verse 20, Baruch zealously repaired another section. The Hebrew word means to burn or glow, suggesting that he burned a lot of energy. He was not just serving, he was on fire. Everyone was working hard. But in a crowd of committed construction workers, Barak stood out among the rest. You know, we need people like him in churches who will say, I don't really care what others are doing. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Anyone want to be like Barak here this morning? Are you willing to go the extra mile? and burn with zeal and passion in your service and your participation? Are you tired of just going through the motions? Are you ready to get fired up and get involved for the kingdom? And then sixthly, some worked as families. The final principle from this great passage is that some people worked as families on a section Eva in, in the front of their home or another section away from their neighbourhood. At least six different workers, plus an unknown number of priests, repaired the portions of the wall that were nearest to their homes. And if all of us would follow this example, our streets, I truly believe, would look really different. Look at your neighbours, your neighbourhoods, as your mission field. Befriend them, serve them, pray for them. And I want to challenge each one of you this morning to identify five neighbours that live near you and pray for them if you don't already. Even if you don't know their names, pray for the family who, lo- who live at number 24, for example. As a church here, you are committed to make an impact in the town and beyond. But it's first to begin at home. Jesus told his disciples that he had appointed them to go and bear fruit. The word appointed means that he had strategically placed them. And the truth is that God has placed each of us strategically right where he wants us to be. If God's work is going to get done, we are each called to participate and cooperate with one another not compare or criticise. We must keep the main thing, the main thing, by never forgetting that God's glory is at stake. Nothing has ever been done for God without some hard work. And in order to work well with others on a job that is much bigger than we are, we need to recognise the task demands everything we have. And God will equip us for the work he has. As I end, as I was driving here today, a gaggle of geese, I think that's what you call it, flew overhead. And I'd already planned to finish with this example um, today. So it was a real thank you God moment. I've actually seen it with my own eyes. You know, one of the fascinating things um, about geese is that they normally fly in a V formation. Geese often cover thousands of miles before reaching their destination and they can only get to where they're headed if they work together. By flying as they do, members of the flock create an upward air current for one another. And by flying in this V shape, uh, the whole flock gets 71% greater flying range than if each goose flew on its own. When one goose gets sick or wounded, two fall out of that formation and follow it down to help and protect it. They stay with the one who's struggling until they're able to fly again. The geese at the rear of the formation are the ones who do all the honking. It's their way of announcing that they are following and everything's going well. The repeated honks encourage those ahead to keep on going. And as I think about this and as I thought about it as I was just driving here today one lesson stands out above them all. It's the natural instinct of geese to participate and work together to enable them all to get to the place that they are going. Like runners on a relay team everyone has to do their part if they want to win a medal. So whether it's flapping or helping or honking the flock is in it together they all stand together as, uh, as we saw earlier which enables them to accomplish what they set out to do how about you you each have a part to play here at RBC and in God's mission to the whole world will you participate not because you've per- you're perfect not because you've got it all together because but because you are invited to build God-centred communities. Let us pray. Lord God, we know that your word says that we are part of one body. And Lord, as many of us perhaps are still trying to find our place, Lord, reveal to us what you would have us do. Reveal to us Truly how we can participate in your work, in your church. Lord, thank you that each one of us is called, is special and is equipped. Lord, as we go out into the world, Lord, that we might be like those geese, encouraging, supporting and equipping one another to fully participate in the kingdom work.